It's best to describe Kuda Mangoma as a neo-expressionist pop artist creating his own work under the name of Basqua. Since picking up the painting brush in 2017 as a form of therapy, he's gone on to independently exhibit three times in just the last 12 months alone. Each time, Kuda's been able to showcase a new part of his evolving and highly colourful artistic identity. So, how are you today, man? Did I do that justice? Yeah, man. Thank you for that. That's the first time I've ever had like an, an intro on audio. So I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope yeah, I do man. well enough with that. And um, I've always called you Kuda. And obviously, your artist's name is Basqua. So if it's cool, I'm just going to stick with Kuda because that's what I'm pretty yeah, familiar yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's all fine with me. <laughs> but we actually have to talk about that name, though. Like, that's probably yeah. a homage to Jean-Michel Basquiat. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, um, Basquiat is one of my favorite artists ever, man. Uh, just everything that I look into, into and from art, I can see it through nearly all of his work. So yeah, um, the BAS came from him. Um, then the KWA, which is Kwa, uh, is for Kudakwashi. That's right. what, what my full name actually is. So I just took the KWA from my name, brought them together, Basqua. And now yeah. it's a thing. Like um, <laughs> when I really, the reason why that really came up was just like I needed I didn't want to bombard people on my main Instagram page with my art stuff because I was just creating more work. So I need an Instagram account. And that just came like the only original six letter kind of <laughs> frame that was available. So yeah, that's how it happened. That's pretty <laughs> sick, man. But we pretty much built an identity over that. Um, but I yeah. reckon probably, I reckon about the time that I probably met you, which would probably be about 2013. Do you remember the story of how I met at all? Um, loosely, man, I, I like 2013 was a very, very wavy year for me. So there's a lot of blurry <laughs> memory, <laughs> um, but definitely like typical Valley stuff. I, I assume TBC yeah. is what I remember. Oh, it's- it was definitely sort of fight in TBC, but, um, just for a bit of background it was actually, and I was thinking about this as well recently was, um, uh, listen out. We met at the pre oh. priest for that. And you were with some friends, and I was with some friends, and I just met you in the apartment building. And um, I had no like inkling that you were artistically inclined at all. So right. when did that sort of start happening for you? And what made you start exploring, I guess, that part of your identity and to go down that path? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, man. You just took me back into that room, and I completely like got, just got this flashback of memories. Offended, actually. <laughs> 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 nah, don't be. <laughs> um, art for me... I would say, man, I was definitely into art as a kid. Like, I just used to do it, like, when I was six years old and stuff. It'd be my favorite time of day, really. Mm. Even preschool, really, was all the art and craft stuff. It was the best time of the day. And then at high school, I feel like my identity and form kind of really started getting shattered a bit. Like, I was the nerdy kid and went to an all-boys private catholic boarding school that was in so, zimbabwe right yeah in zimbabwe so it was like really really um they there was just a very set kind of form of identity of who you're meant to be or what makes you be good or whatever and with that like i was really into like art and stuff like still enjoy the art classes and, and everything but 
by the time we turn, well, when we go into form three, which for you guys is year nine. Yeah. Um, by year nine, they, they give you a, a range of subjects that you're meant to decide what you want to do. So we had to choose between two subjects a lot of the time. So either you're going to do French or you're going to do accounting. I chose French. Either you're going to do art or you're going to do history. I had the same average for both of those subjects. And at that point, I was kind of working on the, like just working off assumptions of who I'm meant to be. And around that time, I was like kind of expecting myself to eventually be like a big writer or a lawyer or something like that. And I felt that history would be the best thing to help me with that. And worst decision, failed history. I got a D, only subject I failed. And um, just really didn't touch art again for like ages. And then so you just pushed studied, that to the back of your mind and just thought, yeah, kind of like because of that yeah, failure. Yeah, yeah, like kind of just like completely just forgot about that part of myself. And then for uni, I decided to, to do um, journalism and such because I was really, really good at literature and I used to write a lot, used to like put my work into awards and stuff and win a few awards. I felt, yeah, be a journalist, that'd be rad. And then, um, Obviously, as you would know as well, like the media landscape just changed so much so quickly that I did have like a few internships and such within journalism, but just struggled to really get a full-time gig that would just like keep me financially sound for a bunch. And then after 2016, had a mad bout of depression, anxiety, all sorts. And that's kind of where I rediscovered art and just kind of saw that, yeah, I just kind of enjoy drawing. And did you, were you suggested to take up art again or did you just happen to it, come across, you know? It just, it, it was so random, man. It, I was just doodling. It was just like genuinely a piece of paper and a pen. And it felt incredible. It felt like it just felt incredible. And it was genuinely since high school that I was like really doing it. And I just carried on doing it. Just kept drawing cartoons, went into like impression work where I was kind of trying to make work that's like artists that I was into or, and such. And it, it really just developed quite quickly, possibly because I was doing it so obsessively um, to the point that I was able to develop my own style. And that was super important to me. Um, so like with art, I guess in terms of my work, it, it's, um, it's described as neo-expressionist pop art is like the kind of term that they try label it with. Sure. Um, How would you describe it's not, it yourself? I would describe it as, I would describe it as that because now I'm starting to like get all the art lingo and stuff. <laughs> but um, if I was describing it to someone, the first thing I usually say is that when I, when I tell people like, oh yeah, I paint, like I'm a painter and that, they're like, oh sick. I kind of always preface it to them that I don't paint realism like mm. hyper realism and realistic stuff and they're like oh so it's like abstract i'm like yeah technically accurate i guess <laughs> um <laughs> but, yeah. but um and it's not necessarily because i i can't do realism i can do realism and such it just reminds me way too much of school man and i just hate it i just hate like I, is, that's just not what art means to me like i love looking at it 
absolutely love looking at it. And anyone who can really put themselves in that kind of discipline where they can make things look so realistic just from a pencil and a paper is incredible to me. But I hate the process of doing it. I just can't stand it. So it's actually interesting that you're saying that you don't like, I guess, the structure of art and, you know, how it relates to your work. Because, you know, in one of my previous episodes, I actually interviewed my friend Roman, who's also an artist, but, you know, he sort of yeah. went through uni, studied art. He's an incredible artist, man. He's, he's I, really uh, good. Yeah. But do you, do you yeah. find that, you know, based on Roman's experience, he found that, you know, going to uni and having that sort of tertiary understanding of art gave him a lot yeah. of base for what he's doing. Do you feel like you might have missed out? in not studying art or for oh, you, it's a absolutely. completely different story. Oh no, absolutely. I feel like, um, and, and I feel like I've definitely missed out because I feel that I got into understanding what I really want to do with my life. Um, in my late twenties, really like after you go through the whole university experience and such, but I don't have any regrets about it really. Um, and I can still like go to art school in a sense. Like I could get into, um, I, I'm quite confident right now because like what the art schools look for right now in terms of university, they kind of do look for unique styles as well that they can then develop. Well, um, that's at least with, um, with the universities that I've looked at here. I, w- I did consider entering this year, but uh, it just didn't really pan out and I don't necessarily feel that I miss out as much from not going to art school at the moment as I would if I didn't continuously try to educate myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I so think I've got I agree friends. With that. Yeah. I think you can definitely I, learn a lot more just by putting practice into place and maybe, you know, developing your own style to a high level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as long as like um I feel it's definitely an advantage, especially in terms of the networking and such that you can make. Like I've got a bunch of friends at art school right now and they talk about like some of their teachers are like in connections with directors at the NGV, which is the National Gallery of Victoria and things like that, which really does help. But I find that just being friends with people who even are at art school is a good start. <laughs> Uh, if there's like anyone there who's just kind of thinking that they're a bit stuck, just look around you, man. There's always people doing stuff that you might want to be doing. So essentially uni serves as just keeping you inspired around similar minded people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it does. And I think um, kind of to reference back to another one of your, your former episodes. Um, He's really been listening. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm a fan of the show. I, it helps when I go for runs and stuff and listen to a bunch of this. Uh, but Joe Fox, I remember him saying that he didn't necessarily have a, a big university background and such, but now he's created kind of just from his own hard work, such a his own lane in the business world in a way. And you can, I do believe that you can also do that with art. Is that sort of the same story for most of the people that you do hang around now these days? Have you able to create that network outside of being at uni with other artists? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I, the network, the network for me actually kind of started with a bunch of musicians. Like I used to hang around musicians a bunch and, um, they inspired me creatively 
not necessarily to make music and think of myself as becoming a musician, but just trying to find a way just from their hustle, grind, passion and determination. I just kind of tried to translate that a bit with my work. Um, completely different mediums, but at the end of the day, it's all storytelling, right? And um, there's definitely things that you can pick up every in like nearly every single spectrum from this whole experience. For as long as I've known you personally, yet you're very passionate about issues related to things like, you know, social justice and, you know, yeah. free artistic expression, which I think probably owes to your identity as a, you know, Zimbabwean Australian. Um, yeah. And in your art itself, it deals with, you know, themes such as, you know, being a black person, um, a Shona yeah. man from Zimbabwe as well, um, or yeah. female influence. You know, I've seen you do paintings of, you know, incredible uh, women in your life, including your mother. You know, yeah. how does that sort of pile into what you do? Was that something you set out to do? Um, or did it sort of just sort of, you know, start taking on a, a form of its own? Yeah, it's really, it's really honestly just such a natural I mean, natural is not the word I was going for. It's such an organic kind of evolution with it. It's like for me, um, I should say like when when I was probably 18, 19, 20, I really thought that by now I would have released at least one or two books. Like I really thought of myself as a writer. And um, in terms of having my identity so tied with the thought of being a writer, I found that you, well, for me, I tend to, I tended to overthink things and over um, intellectualize things. And with painting, it's kind of become such an, a different kind of expression for me because I really genuinely don't think too much, if that makes sense, before a bunch of the work that I try sketch out. It's more about how I feel at that point. So a lot of my work is just, fully just expressions of emotion so you don't have like a plan of what you're going to paint um not often it's mostly um it's mostly just a feeling so a lot of it is communicated through the color i guess so i keep a very consistent figure like as soon as you see my work and become familiar with it you'll be able to recognize it again absolutely i I think it's definitely like the shapes that you use and and the huge use of color yeah yeah and like for me like i see color as such a communicative language and color just kind of really helps me express emotion without having to probably write a eight bar poem or something like that or which i still do i still do those things um i just don't show them out as much and it's kind of just mostly for me now my writing um but the art when I started doing it, man, um, it was purely just, just, just the experience of doing it, which was awesome. Um, and the, the experience is certainly still awesome, but I'm at a part now where it's definitely continuing to grow. And um, I'm getting all sorts of advice from like artists that I've looked up to as well for, for ages who yeah, it, it trips me out sometimes when I really think about how quick the last year has actually moved. Yeah, who are some of those artists? Um, ben Quilty is one of them. I don't know if you know him, but um, he's, he's... The name sounds familiar. Yeah, man. He's like one of... Um, he's one of Australia's most paramount artists at the moment, for sure. 
um, I went to one of his talks and introduced myself slightly afterwards. And yeah, he just had some incredible advice, looked through some of my work, like some of the paintings and that just gasses me. Like it just gives me way more fuel to kind of know that, okay, if Ben Quilty likes it, then <laughs> it, it just gives me a bit more motivation to like try, always keep improving, but always keep like, yeah, knowing that I can do this, like I can just keep not not getting yeah not overthinking too much about um about the direction it's going in and just kind of letting it go there Does that yeah make sense? yeah absolutely yeah. so would is it fair to assume that you know in your studio at home now because you're painting off feeling my assumption is that there are tons and tons of canvases maybe half finished maybe almost finished and every time oh, you get man. like a thought it's just like i'm just going to start a whole new piece or do you sort of have a yeah. process of holy shit, there's a bunch of stuff that I haven't done. I should probably think about finishing those pieces before I move uh, on to the next one. It's, it's, it's honestly like a balance. It's a balancing out between both. Um, I will just, I, I, I barely ever work on just one painting um, at a time. So at the moment right now, like just before this call, like I woke up, painted a little bit, went for a run and then came back. Um, I'm working on seven paintings at the moment. And... The reason why is just that um, the reason how that kind of developed, I didn't always do that, but um, I had my first exhibition about this time last year. And for that, I had to produce a lot of work in the space of six weeks. And I just hadn't done that before. And um, I developed a technique that I kind of learned off another artist whose name is Alex Katz. He's a New Yorker, 80 something years old. Absolutely so dope i love him so much <laughs> um and he has this method where he'll have about six paintings four paintings and he's working on them at the same time he just puts them on all the walls in his studio and he if he needs green wherever he needs green is where he's going to put that shade of green on all the paintings that he has Wherever he needs yellow is how he's going to put that. So he's just purely building up with the colors. And I found that with the, with the amount of brushes I have and the types of brushes I have, it actually gave way better finishes when I started utilizing that kind of method. And that's just kind of what I do still now. And it's honestly the best for me. Otherwise, I will get bored. Like I get, when, when my mind isn't active enough, or I'm feeling like I'm doing the same thing for way too long. Um, I just end up fully reject, kind of like rejecting that experience. So that painting might never come out then. But when I keep it fun and active and such, and keeping breaks in between, I watch a bunch of like anime and <laughs> documentaries and shit. <laughs> you gotta keep the Netflix stuff. going in the background. Yeah, man, that helps a bunch. That helps a bunch for sure. <laughs> With these exhibitions that you've done, I mentioned that you have about, you've done about three in the last 12 months alone. You yeah. know, how do you sort of go about the business side of being a painter? Yeah. I'm sure you're not managing all these shows yourself. You're not putting it all yeah, together. Yeah. You know, is, <laughs> is that something that you would prefer to also be, you know, actively involved with or would you rather leave that to somebody else and just focus um, on the creativity? So I, I, I have an awesome, awesome agent. He's, he's like a brother to me. He's, a, he's one of the dudes who really started believing in my work. Um, we used to work together at this office job and I just used to doodle a lot. 
and he used to come over to my desk, just love my work, told me I did a few paintings. Um, he was one of my first commissions ever. And he was, he's, he's so well connected, man. Um, his name is Ange. Anyone who knows Ange knows that he's got like a guy for like nearly everything. And he just really, really believes in creative people. He doesn't necessarily feel that he is creative, but I think he is. I think he's mad innovative, but he's incredible at just logistics and making things happen. And he told me that he wanted me to do an exhibition, which was last year, May 11th. When he told me this, <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, it's something that I'd love to do. But I was kind of thinking, he told me this in like April, about five weeks before the exhibition actually happened. And I said, yeah, cool. I'd love to do one maybe November, December. And he's like, I'd love for you to do it sooner than that, but see how you feel, see how you go. And he had a friend who owned um, an exhibition space, I guess. He's an artist as well, Marcos de Sua, awesome artist. And um, he said, yo, come meet Marcos and we can discuss, you can see the space, see how you feel. Went, met Marcos. They gassed me up, made me feel so legit. <laughs> and they're like, sick, we'll do the exhibition in six weeks. And I was like, holy. How many paintings did you have on hand by this time? So I had two, maybe. <laughs> I had two. Um, I ended up, that exhibition ended up with 34 pieces. So in six yeah, weeks, you painted 34 pieces. I would have painted 32. I would have painted 32 pieces within those six weeks. And um, I, I, I finished about maybe 15 of those that morning or afternoon. Yeah, we hung really it all up. Really cutting it fine. Yeah, we hung it all up. Like there were people walking in as we were still hanging stuff up. <laughs> it <laughs> it was, obviously it was successful enough. Was, you know, yeah, that you could well, do another two after that. Yeah, well, um, Marcos, Marcos um, before it, he told me, there's no feeling like selling selling work when you sell your first one at the exhibition you're just going to get addicted and you're probably going to want to do a lot more and i had so much anxiety on the ride there man i was like holy shit like if i sell two paintings today i'm going to be so gassed two i'd be so gassed i was like if anything more than two sells that'd be crazy and then um Within the first 15 minutes, I think we'd sold two. <laughs> and that feeling was phenomenal. Within the first half hour, that had doubled. By the end of the day, man, um, I sold 31 out of those 34 pieces. And well thank you, man. I think that moment um, is what just clarified so much for me and just like cleared um, a bunch of doubt. Um, like doubt's always going to be there. I still doubt myself like every now and then, but I kind of always have that moment of knowing that like I sold, I sold so much work that day that, um, it just gave me the kind of, and this is the worst. And I don't know, man, I know a lot of artists say like, you don't need to search for external validation to feel, blah, blah, blah. and I tell myself that sometimes, but I'd lie if I say that, that, that didn't feel great. Like, um, and that kind of validation gave me kind of fuel to know that I can carry on doing this. And yeah, it, it's, it's, it's something that I, I, I genuinely believe that I'll still be painting when I'm 80. 
Man, that's sure. awesome to hear. It's good that you're so passionate about it because obviously previously to that you're working in a corporate job, which I'm sure you absolutely hated. Oh. And then <laughs> now being able to, you know, you're painting full time now. Are you finding yeah. that, you know, obviously there's still life that you still have to take care of and, you know, you have, uh, you know, responsibilities that you have. Is it now about creating as much work as you can that you can sell or what's sort of like the, the, I guess the business behind what you do now? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's that, that's a balance as well. Um, and I find like whenever like a bunch of bills are coming up and are due, that's usually when you will see me start posting stuff like, Hey, commission pieces. He's going to get some bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Like that always serves as that reminder, like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. You actually have to make work. Um, but I've had this like habit since uni where I kind of need a lot of, not a lot, a moderate amount of external pressure in order to motivate me sometimes. <laughs> I feel like something. I'm the same as well, you know? Yeah, so like a lot of my uni assignments, I was, the, I was the kind of student who, if I submit my work four weeks in advance, I'm getting a four out of seven. If I submit my work within the dying minutes, it's going to be six out of seven or seven out of seven. So <laughs> I find that that's how I've kept doing my exhibitions and some of my commission pieces. Like, um, it, it's, it's definitely those kind of external motivators for, yeah, the bills are due and such. However, I am now starting to, well, not now, it has been a while. And this is also like pretty rad that my family is supportive of what I'm doing that means so much to me because I kind of always had an expect and I kind of worked off an, an assumption that they expected me to be different. Like to, I don't know, to do something safe, like be an accountant like my dad was or be a lawyer, be a doctor, you know, those African standard. Oh, dreams. you're preaching to the choir right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You, you know, if you don't do anything, yeah. but lawyer, doctor, engineer, you might as well yeah. be a <laughs> Yeah, bro. Absolutely. So I kind of like, um, they, they, they've been kind of opposite to that. They've been mad supportive. So, and, and they're super business minded. Um, so they can see things that I necessarily, not necessarily, but I just don't necessarily gravitate to as much. So in terms of business, Beyond just creating work, man, um, merchandising is something that I'm looking into doing soon, like stickers, caps, tote bags, T-shirts, things like that. And they, yeah, they fully support it and they're willing to help invest a bit into it. But the main thing that we're also trying to work on, which is going to be rad when I can do it, um, is start making my own paints. So, because again, with the work that I do is I always mix my own paints. So if you've ever had a piece of work from me, it's not, it's not just the color that was bought out of the store, if that makes sense. And that's something that I've learned from a bunch of artists um, who I was friends with before I was painting is mixing your own paints really adds that extra layer into developing your own identity with your work. But um, yeah, I'm going to start developing my own paints and on a, on a mass scale and try start selling that as well eventually in the future and some my own brushes as well That'd just uh and the business of basqua is expanding yeah exactly exactly yeah man basqua paints basqua brushes and 
I'd love to just kind of help make that happen as in terms of like that really happening. I'd love to make that happen in Zimbabwe, especially, um, and just kind of give a bunch of kids who may struggle with what they they're trying to identify with at high school and such and the kind of growing pains that I had. And I don't know, just give like kids who could be artists, like give them the opportunity to just be able to have paint and brushes and all sorts of things so readily available to them. Now you're also recently married earlier this year. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you. (laughs) What would the future look like for you guys? Let's, let's have two scenarios. If coronavirus had not happened, where would you be right now? What would you be doing? And now that Corona has happened, what's now your projection for the future? Oh man, if so, if it hadn't happened, what day is it today? So like mid-May right now. Um, by now, we'd be running this, well, and we're still going to do it. So I recently went back to Zimbabwe for a little bit, just for a little uh, sabbatical. When did I go? October 27th till like January 9th. So I was there for a while. And... Um, I'm opening an art gallery there. So that's pretty much what? nearly. Yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> so I've got an art gallery cafe thing that's kind of being built right now. It should be done by now, I think. I'll check on that. <laughs> but when that I left, it was looking awesome, real good. Man. So that's what you were Thank there? You. That's what you were doing the whole time? Oh, not the whole time, but yeah, part of I, the time. I, I tried to scope off you. I was like, what are you doing? There? You're like, yeah. I'm just chilling and... Next minute, man's opening up an art gallery and cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, Nikki would be running the cafe, and I'd be, yeah, you know, introducing people to all that good Australian coffee and such. Um, and I'd be, yeah, running the art gallery or the art space. It's mostly just like it's not just an art gallery, really. It's also going to be like um, a sta- a, a, there's a stage set up if you want to. I don't know, release a mixtape or release an album or if you just want to perform some music. A general you want event to do a, space just for people to yeah, use. Yeah, general yeah. event space, yeah. Like um, stand-up comedy, poetry, just because I feel like there aren't, this is how I feel, there aren't many hubs as such for that there. And I've lived in Melbourne for so long and it's like I lived in Brunswick as well for a little bit, which is just such a pumping suburb. And it's so much inspiration from that that we're trying to kind of translate over. So yeah, right now I'd probably be yeah trying to find some art to put up in the in the in the gallery and stuff. <laughs> on that, let's end on a high note. Here's my closing yeah, yeah, question yeah. for you. Yeah, should Andrew Schulz sell out already and just get his own network show? Oh, dude. Okay, I think he has. I think he has. I think he has. He's really? hinted on it on a podcast episode. He just hasn't announced, and I think I've got an inkling feeling on who that network provider is. It's certainly, I highly doubt it's Netflix. Um, I think he signed with Amazon, but no confirmations. No it just feels like something that he would do and something that, yeah. It sounds Dude, that very plausible. Cool. You've met him, actually. So unless you have yeah, some man. information, please let me know yeah. so I can go and download 
whatever streaming service I need. Oh, that guy. Bro, that guy. <laughs> that guy's hilarious. Bro. So and I just started listening to his podcast recently, Flagrant. I only ever used oh, to just yeah, get yeah. the YouTube clips. And I was like, yeah. well, that's enough. But then I just found myself like wanting more and wanting more. And that's the and- strange. Everyone says that. Like, it, it kind of starts that way with everyone. Like, the first time I saw Schultz was because I was really into uh, The Breakfast Club and stuff. So I'd listened to Brilliant Idiots because of Charlemagne. And Schultz and was on. I, I was do like, not like Charlemagne. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> He's oh, a bit man. too woke for me sometimes. Yeah, 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 man. He's especially, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's really into like his belief system. He's really into his belief system. You can see that like his ego is very centered in that. I absolutely. Um, but at the same time, I think he's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I just would oh, not yeah. try. I, I mean, I wouldn't have a full deep conversation with him. Yeah, absolutely. But with Schultz, yeah. So, like, I heard Schultz on that, and he just said the wildest things when I was probably that's, – that's when I was really deeply into politics and trying to be – well, I was, I was writing for Huffington Post and shit, so that's it's super left-wing and stuff. And it was a time where, like, political correctness and all sorts was really rife. And, yeah, I was like, bro, can you say that? <laughs> and I was like, wow, this dude is wild. And then I saw some of his stand-up. I was like, this is crazy. I feel bad laughing at this. And I was like, I don't feel bad laughing anymore. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, it, 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 it just grows into its own thing. And you just want more and more. It's, it's so <laughs> hilarious. I think for the funniest bit he's done. And I love what he's been doing lately with all these little like five-minute clips about U.S. politics. And the one that he released um, just recently, I don't know if you saw it about Takashi 69 should run for president because oh. he and Trump are like on the same level. I won't ruin it for you, but you should you should watch that. Yeah, I got an I got a yeah, I got notifications for that. I got oh, a notification for that this, this morning. This. It is yeah, on point. Perfect. I won't ruin it for you, but it is so classic. Um anyway. Dude, man. Thank you so uh, much yeah. for being on the show, man. Thank you. Dude, for thank this you, chat, man. This conversation. Um thank I'm sure you. like, you know, we're gonna keep talking, we're gonna keep I'm gonna. I'm gonna personally keep up with what you're doing, Zim. Now that I know exactly why you're going back, and um, where thank you, you very appreciate you? that. Um, so, if you're looking for, if you're looking for like my art, um, it's pretty much I post all of my art just on Instagram. Still, kind of working on a website still, as well, so I can like sell this merchandise properly. Um, but it's just B A S K W A. Just at that at Basqua. Um. My general Instagram, if you want my personal life, <laughs> is at Kuda32. <laughs> um, and if you're interested in any, if like, I'm early on into making music still. But if you're interested in any of that, um, that's at Tommy Sanka. We've got like split personalities. Who's <laughs> Tommy Sanka? <laughs> Very quickly, Tommy, Tommy Sanka is this um, music. Yeah, that's just where I make my music. That's just like my music. Is there, is there a story behind that name as well? Yes, actually. Um, so I was looking for an original name and I don't want to use my real name because, I don't know, I just feel like... Because you used to write for the Huffington Post and it's politicized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I gotta, like, people will be like, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, and my favorite politician, um, his name was Thomas Sankara. He was this um, like African badass revolutionary dude, man. Fucking so rad and um i just kind of shortened his name and just made it tommy sanka and no one else had that name and i was like sick here we go got a rap name now a singing name and all that and yeah <laughs> awesome man well thanks again <laughs> bro and uh yeah can't wait to uh, catch up with you next time love bro always man 